1: is running out. This message is paid for by Lines for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views
2: expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management.
3: Richard, Richard,
2: oh, are we on?
3: Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
2: And welcome to Radio Free Canada. News, notes, and opinions from the underground for Wednesday, Jan 12th, 2022. So, how many of you are going to stop eating at McDonald's after hearing about the Ronald McDonald House in British Columbia? They're evicting a four-year-old leukemia patient and his family because of the parents' vaccine status. This is... I want to use the word demonic. Is that too strong? Satanic? Some of you may not believe in Satan or the devil. I do. So let's just say what Ronald McDonald House is doing is evil. It's wrong on so many levels. They can't walk this back. Just like WestJet firing employees just before Christmas. This is 10 times worse. No severance, WestJet, no severance. They fired employees just before Christmas. They can reverse course. They can apologize. But it must never be forgotten. So. I'm going to add McDonald's. We used to call it Rotten Ronnie's in high school. Now that multi-billion dollar corporation is truly living up to that unflattering nickname, Rotten Ronnies. You can add Rotten Ronnies to the trash bin of history, as far as I'm concerned, along with WestJet, along with a certain daily newspaper in Toronto, which peddles in hate and divisiveness. They're all dead to me. Harley Sims from True North will be here in hour two to give us the details on this horrible situation, unforgivable Unforgivable. And I know there are some of you out there quietly cheering Ronald McDonald House in the same way you're cheering Quebec for trying to tax the unvaccinated, the way you cheer when people get fired and are left without any means to pay for food or heat or rent or provide for their families. You're lost. You have no moral compass. And I really, I don't know what else to say to you except please Turn this program off. It, It genuinely pains my heart to know you're out there listening. Your views have no place in a civil society. None. And one day, one day after this mania ends. And you hopefully come to finally realize. And regret your attitude and your behavior. May God have mercy on your soul. I mean that. I pray for people like you. So who is Ray Epps? This mysterious person who appears to have been inciting protesters on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. back Jan 6, 2021. Inciting them to break down the security barriers and storm the Capitol building. And many protesters and people who were just there peacefully protesting on Jan six. Called out Ray Epps, he's a Fed, he's a Fed, they shouted. They knew what he was up to. So is Ray Epps FBI? And to what extent was Jan 6th an FBI operation? John O'Connor will be here in hour two to discuss. So the European Union and European drug regulators are now warning against taking more COVID vaccine boosters. This is in Bloomberg's Bloomberg News, rather. This is not conspiracy theory. This is an actual news item. The EU is is saying taking three or four shots all in one year could quite possibly damage your immune system. No shite, Sherlock. Instead, they say take one. One per year during cold and flu season, one and done. In other words, start treating COVID like the flu. It's endemic. It's endemic, not pandemic. The pandemic is over. Dr. Peter McCullough, board-certified cardiologist, is uh, here fresh off his appearance on Joe Rogan to talk about this. Dr. McCullough, good friend of the program. Meanwhile, the, uh, the CEO of Pfizer, in a candid moment, admitted two doses of Pfizer are practically worthless. Jacob, play that for me.
4: Uh, and we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any, the three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, uh, in, in, against deaths, I think very good. Um, and uh, less protection against uh, infection. Now, We are working on a a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1, let me put it that way, that uh, will cover Omicron as well. And uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to to have the final results. The vaccine will be ready in March. Oh, I can't wait. It'll be ready in March.
2: These comments by the Pfizer CEO, they went viral on social media and then Pfizer tried to have... These comments taken down. They tried to cite copyright infringement. Too bad. Too late. Too many people recorded it, circulated. Now it's out there. It's on the record. He said it. So what's interesting is Pfizer didn't see that their vaccines would wane after just a few months, their effectiveness. They didn't see that. Didn't see that coming. But we're supposed to trust them when they say, well, we know they're safe long term. Does that make any sense? Does that fuzzy logic make any sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. I would wager it wouldn't make sense to a five-year-old. And yet? And yet? Never mind. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about how Dr. Anthony Mengele, I mean Fauci, and Dr. Collins, who is the outgoing director of the NIH, conspired in a series of emails to smear some of the very best immunologists and virologists from Harvard and Cambridge and Oxford, calling them fringe. These are the scientists who formed the, uh, the great Barrington declaration, which now I believe has something like nearly a, a million people signing on, many of whom are doctors and scientists speaking out against lockdowns and vaccine mandates and so forth. And Fauci and Collins attempted to orchestrate a smear campaign against them. Here's Senator Rand Paul going off on Dr. Fauci. Have a listen. It's wonderful.
5: Dr. Fauci, the idea that a government official like yourself would claim unilaterally unilaterally to represent science and that any criticism of you would be considered a criticism of science itself is quite dangerous. Central planning, whether it be of the economy or of science, is risky because of the fallibility of the planner. It would not be so catastrophic if the planner were simply one physician in Peoria. Then the mistakes would only affect that physician's patients, the people who chose that physician. But when the planner is a government official, like yourself, who rules by mandate, the errors are compounded and become much more harmful. A planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies, in his mind, using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently, there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. And you quote in the email that they, were from Dr. Collins, and you, you agree that they are fringe. And immediately there's this takedown effort. A published takedown, though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, even Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down. And not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you?
2: That was, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. And then Dr. Fauci, it's not in this clip, then Dr. Fauci tried to go on the, off, the offense tried to go on the offensive and uh, claimed he was being persecuted. And then went after Senator Rand Paul and uh, said he went on his website, Rand Paul's website, where Rand Paul was raising money, trying to raise money off the back of Dr. Fauci saying donate what you can 10 20 50 100 to help me fight Dr Fauci. So Dr Fauci is trying to claim that Rand Paul is trying to make money off of this for his own personal gain. How absurd. Dr Fauci is really on the ropes. I don't know how much longer the people in the United States are going to uh, suffer this evil clown Uh, Wednesdays, we push back against the cult of climate change. And there's a group called the Yale Climate Connection. I'm not sure if they're from Yale. Not everyone from Yale gets it right all the time. Uh, The Yale Climate Connection has published their top 10 uh, global and climate change events of 2021. And Tony Heller, the founder of Real Climate Science, will walk us through some of these coming up this hour. Uh, But first... The Pope caused quite a stir. Pope Francis caused quite a stir. When he said that people who choose pets over children are selfish. Now, I'm not Catholic. And when I listen to many of the Pope's pronouncements on uh, things like capitalism and climate change, to me, it's like the cheese has slid off the cracker. But on this, on this one, Pope Francis is correct. And John Robson, journalist, author, documentary filmmaker, National Post columnist, he wrote a wonderful piece on this today. The Pope got it right when he said people who choose pets over children are selfish. John Robson is here next to discuss the Richard Serrett Show off and running for Wednesday, Jan 12, 2022. Keep your stick on the ice.
3: We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 9:60 a.m.
2: John Robson has written a terrific commentary in the National Post today. The headline: Sorry, Millennials. Jacob uh, was telling me earlier, I've been picking on the Millennials a lot lately. Uh, Sorry, millennials, but the Pope has a point about kids. Of course, the Pope, Pope Francis, made the point that people who choose pets over children are selfish. I think he's absolutely right. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but it's the truth. Let me just crib here quickly from Mr. Robson's piece. People think the Catholic Church has gone to the dogs After Pope Francis called it selfish to have pets, not kids, pundits reacted like scorched cats. But something's fishy here. Like people who declare religion obsolete, stupid and divisive, especially Roman Catholicism, then pester the pontiff to say, do what thou wilt. He won't. And while he's sometimes a holy fool and sometimes just a fool, we can't ignore it when he reads aloud something embarrassing written on our hearts. Terrific writing. John Robson, National Post columnist, author, historian, documentary filmmaker. You can follow him on Twitter at TheJohnRobson and his website is johnrobson.ca. John, welcome back. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Some of your colleagues at the National Post uh, uh, were not happy with the Pope's comments. You, um, you quote uh, Tyler Dawson, uh, who claimed that Pope Francis has come for the pet people by saying they're selfish. Um, you you obviously have a difference of opinion with uh, Tyler Dawson. Uh, explain.
6: OK, and the first thing I want to explain, it, it seems to be an eccentric habit of mine that I will refer to what other columnists have written and and discuss it. But I think it's not intended to be offensive. We're, we're in a public conversation. I thought what he said was interesting, though, unfortunately for him, I guess. I thought it was interesting for what was wrong with it. Starting with the Pope didn't actually say that you shouldn't have pets. I mean, he took his name from Francis of Assisi who talked to birds, right? And The Pope's all for kindness to animals. He said you shouldn't have pets instead of children. And I was struck, by the way, a number of people in objecting to this seemed to be very self-centered about the whole matter. Um, including Tyler was talking about his dog and, you know, how much he sacrificed for his dog, but how much joy his dog brought him. And I remember, and I thought, well, hang on, how about how much joy you bring your dog, right? Because having a dog, because it makes you happy is actually kind of self-centered. And, uh, then, and then he went on to to engage in this kind of utilitarian reasoning that, well, you know, probably people who are born to people who don't really want kids subtract from net human happiness, which is very dangerous reasoning. You start looking around for people who subtract from net human happiness. It's funny how long the list gets. Uh, but I, and again, there was this uh, another of my colleagues who wrote that if we wanted young people to have children, we just absolutely had to make sure they could do it without significant hardship. And I thought to myself, what planet do you think you live on? where you can do anything major without significant hardship. I mean, kids are wonderful, but they break your heart, right? There's, and and you, you have to get up and in three in the morning and feed the baby. And you have to have your teenager roll their eyes at you and bring home some kind of boyfriend where you're thinking, what on earth is this? You know, there's, all, there's no way you're going to raise kids without significant hardship. But what a strange thing
2: to want to do. It's like I'm willing to have kids, but not if it costs me anything. And, right. then, it, and then, you're yeah, like that is selfish. Saying, Who called me yeah. selfish? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the idea they they think and you point this out in your in your wonderful piece that uh, they they talk about have, you know, having children that they bring you joy. Uh, and it, but as you as you say, it's not about that. Yes, they do bring you joy, but that's not why we, we have children. Uh, it, it's about res, it's about sacrifice and responsibility and and to, you know, to uh, instill our values and. And, you know, continue the species and, you know, the, the, the family as the fundamental building block of an economy and as of civilization. That's why we do it. It's a sacrifice. Yes, they bring us joy, but as you say, they also, they rip our hearts out and then, uh, you know, they, they bring us down to our knees sometimes.
6: Yeah. And I would say that for me, th- that those reasons were not it was significant. The reason that I wanted to have kids, I always wanted to have kids. I think that life is a gift. I think it, I'm incredibly lucky to have been allowed to live. And I wanted to pass on the gift. I couldn't think of any better or or I it, mean, it's almost an obligatory response to having been given this wonderful thing that I did nothing to earn is I've got to give it to somebody else. And I mean, they may grow up and think my dad was this complete weirdo, right? The eye rolling may never stop. They may, they never say to themselves wow it was great that he was my dad but if they're going around going hey it's great to be alive and then one day they think i gotta give somebody else this present as well then that is is a fulfillment as the pope said of our humanity um but to do it to be counting your benefits you're going oh you know i think it would cost me too much and then say who dared to call me selfish because i worked the whole thing out in terms of my own situation um this to me it was it was odd the way in which people unconsciously confirmed what the pope had said by the reasons that they gave by and large along with there was one other columnist not from the post who said well you know it's better you know the world's a better place for children if we don't have them the, you know, but
2: you I, know i think that was I Alistair Curie from our time enjoying life uh, Alistair Curie, i think was uh, from cnn i, I believe yeah. uh, we'll, uh we'll take a quick time out uh, john come back and continue to discuss pope francis comments that people who choose pets over children are being selfish john robson national post uh, columnist, author, journalist, documentary filmmaker. Back with more of our conversation in about three minutes. Stay with us.
3: Let's get back at it on News Talk Saga nine sixty a.m. It's the Richard Sarah Show.
2: Be clear. Pope Francis wasn't going after pet parents, if you want to use that term. I, re- I don't like that term. That's that's what they call them now: pet parents, pet owners. Uh, And uh, he's not he wasn't going after pet owners, but he's he's saying that if you choose to have pets over children, that is selfish. That's the point he's making. John Robson wrote a a terrific piece in The National Post today, a commentary uh, titled Sorry, millennials, but the pope has a point about kids. Uh, Getting back to um, uh, Alistair Curie from CNN. And, uh, you know, this argument was going to pop up that, uh, you know, by choosing not to have children, we're reducing our carbon footprint, yada, yada, yada. And that's the best thing possible for kids. Uh, uh, Comment on that uh, if you could.
6: As it seems to me, and I'm not insensitive to the notion that a planet with 30 billion people on it would be a very difficult place uh, for us or the uh, plants and animals to have a decent existence. But it's. A very strange idea that a child would be better off not being born uh, but I'm going to hang around, you know, again, there's there's other ways that he could solve the problem of excessive consumption. He talks about, especially for those of us living in countries with a large environmental footprint, the choice to have a small family or no human family at all is one that helps everyone, particularly children. And again, it's like, well, not the kids you didn't have. And to some extent, uh, you know, people are so used to thinking in terms of the greatest good of the greatest number and doing this sort of utilitarian math where they compare the benefits of this person and that person and think it's, it's OK to sacrifice one person if other People sort of get a lot of happiness out of it. This is this utilitarian calculus. And the church doesn't do that. The Catholic Church thinks everybody is precious, that everyone's a child of God. And at the end of the column is something I've always wanted to say to young people who aren't sure whether to have children, which is just consider that there is this small person knocking at the door of life and only you can hear them. And they're saying, Mom, Dad, can I come in? And if you tell them to go away, they will. They have no way of forcing their way in. They won't stay there long. And but I don't think that you have the right to tell them, no way, kid, I'm here
1: and I'm having a good time and I don't want you bugging me or, you know, buzz off. I'm playing with the cat. And it- are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing?
7: Are you ready for a rewarding career in the electrical industry? Quality Electric of the Coastal Carolinas, QECC, is looking for qualified electricians and electrical helpers to join its Charleston team. QECC offers guaranteed full-time hours, make up to $30 per hour with possible performance bonuses and career growth opportunities. Enjoy benefits like health insurance, dental and vision coverage, 401k plans, and more. If you're a motivated, experienced electrician, this job is for you. QECC is an equal opportunity employer. For all job inquiries, send email to hr at
6: qeccinc.com. Well, I just want to emphasize here, we actually do have pets. I mean, one thing if you have kids is they're liable to pest you to get pets and they get pets you don't want. Rodents, for instance. Yes. And you've got rodents or or something. And you do this because you want your kids to be happy. Uh, So, by no means, and the Pope is by no means against having pets. It's a question of whether you regard human life as something special or whether you regard human life as something, Alice Scrooge, to be weighed in the scale of gain and say, what about my vacation, you know, or what about this? Because, again, one of of the people who was objecting to what the Pope said, oh, yeah, you could quit your job or, you know, do without paid maternity or live in some scuzzy basement apartment, but who wants to do that? And the thing is, but think what you're telling the kid right? You can't be at all. You can never have a chance to live in a scuzzy apartment and complain about it, or one day live in a nice apartment and go, wow, this is better than that old place, or do any of the amazing things involved in life. I mean, I like to think that in my life, even the stuff I've hated, I've loved, right? Because it's been it's been fascinating, the kind of disasters that can occur, probably because I do dumb stuff. Um, but life has been an amazing experience, and I'm just G.K. Chesterton said that the ultimate test of happiness is gratitude. And I am very grateful that I got to stumble onto the stage and make all these comic mistakes that I've made. And I just thought, man, I've, I've got to let somebody else do this. I've just, I have the power to give this gift to someone else or just to hoard it. And if I hoard What good does it do me? I might get more toys, you know, but I'll still die. And um, the toys won't visit me on my deathbed. But even if the kids don't visit, it's not about me. And that's the thing that I think people have so
2: much trouble with, that having kids is about the kids. Precisely, precisely. Uh, It's almost as if our civilization is taking this, you know, this massive suicide pill and, and have bought into this notion that. And we hear this every generation, without exception, probably going back millennia, that, uh, you know, the world is horrible. I don't want to bring a child into the world. How do you respond to that argument?
6: Well, I mean partly and again uh, one of one of my colleagues did say you know who could look at the world today and think gee what a marvelous environment to bring new life into it I thought well you no know, my, uh, my parents were young as Hitler was trying to take over the world and you might have thought then well gee I don't know about this or you know here comes Genghis Khan I think we should have a baby but you know I mean the Bible refers to it the valley of the shadow of death right is that it doesn't sound like a holiday camp but at the same time people have always said you know what let's do it anyway let's make something out of this mess and to see the kid and think maybe maybe the kids will find something good here as opposed to oh gee i don't know they're messy they're noisy they're smelly you can't sleep uh of which is true by the way there's a lot of things i don't tell people thinking about having kids until they're pregnant and it's too late uh About like like as one uh, years ago, a new parent told me, "I can't believe you can't take the battery out when you've just got to buy five minutes and you can't." Um, So yeah, it's 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 like Martin Martin Mal said that having kids is like having a bowling alley built inside brain, Uh, (laughs) and it is. But what what is for? challenges and find a way to smile when the rational response would be tears and it's all about whether you you know john paul ii used to talk about this culture of death where of life as something unpleasant to be endured for a while then gotten rid of when the party stops as opposed to something indescribably precious that points to something beyond ourselves and again so for these people and maybe these millennials will feel insulted i wasn't picking on millennials particularly i didn't write the but if you could see why having kids is good, you would see more about why life is good. You would find a kind of fulfillment and richness that you don't suspect exists. And you, but it would be no less real for being odd.
2: John, such uh, such eloquence. Thank you so much for this. I, I, it just it, it also reminds me of a recent comment by uh, Jordan Peterson. I saw this quote and I'm going to paraphrase it and probably butcher it a little bit. But he said that each each and every one of us have an indispensable role to play in the unfolding of the destiny of, of, of our world. And so we have a moral obligation to take care of ourselves. And I think we could extend that to all of those souls yet to be born as well.
6: Yeah, that, that we are. I mean, it's, it's as John Locke says, and it is defense of self ownership, but he says we're not here owning ourselves. We're here as sort of tenants of God, and we have no right to desert our station. And, and Chesterton, again, he said, you know, with every new baby, a whole new universe is created, a new sun, a new moon, and new stars that you, you bring someone into the world. And then they're the star of their play. You think you're the star of the play. And this kid is off in some room crying. But for the kid, they're the star. they th- this whole universe is made for them and they for it. And uh, it, it cheapens things so much to start doing this math and think, oh, yeah, but, you know, they'll mess up the furniture, And I don't want to describe my couch to you. It's a horrendous mess between the kids and the cat. But it's it's just to see that life is good and that the universe is good and that there is a good creator. All of this stuff um, is something indescribably greater than. Yeah, but then I couldn't afford to have
2: my dog groomed so often or whatever it might be. John, I'd love to see that couch. I think it's a thing of beauty, no doubt. Um, and the Pope got it one right. Occasionally, you know, the old uh, quote about the broken clock is uh, right twice a day. John, thank you so much. Pleasure. John Robson, National Post columnist, author, historian, documentary filmmaker. Follow him on Twitter at the John Robson and the website johnrobson.ca. All right. Wednesdays, we push back against the cult of climate change. Tony Heller is standing in the wings. Stay with us.
3: You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM.
2: Group called Yale Climate Connections has uh, released its top 10 list of global weather and climate change events of 2021. Uh, They write the year 2021 made an indelible mark in the annals of weather history. Not only did it feature the most extreme heat wave in history, the late June heat wave over Western North America that smashed all time records by unprecedented margins. It was also the first year to record four weather uh, mega disasters costing over 20 billion dollars each. And then they include a, a graph Plotting all of these uh, weather mega disasters that cost at least twenty billion dollars adjusted to twenty one twenty one dollars, and as you can see in the graph, you can see that twenty twenty one has the most of these uh, mega disasters costing twenty plus billion, starting in nineteen eighty. So let's uh, let's discuss the Yale Climate Connection top ten global weather and climate change events of 2021 list. Tony Heller is uh, the founder of RealClimateScience.com and he joins us every Wednesday at this time. Tony, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Richard. How about yourself? I'm very well. Uh, Do you know uh, this Yale Climate Connections? Have you ever heard of this group before? Are they from Yale University?
8: Yeah, yeah, they've uh, been promoting climate fraud for a very long time.
9: All right.
8: They give so, me, me lots of good material to work
9: with. <laughs> I'll
2: bet. Well, here they're back again. Well, these top 10 lists are always great when we uh, whenever we come to the end of a, a year or the beginning of a new one. And they put out these lists. So the top 10 global weather and climate change events of 2021. Uh, let's let's start with number one, the most extreme heat wave in world history. That's quite a a, a pronouncement in world history. Uh, they're saying never in the century plus history of world weather observation have so many all time heat records fallen by such a large margin than in the historic late June 2021 heat wave in Western North America. True or not true?
8: No, it's it's com- complete nonsense. They, uh, you know, it's, if you look like they meant they talked a lot about the heat wave in the United States. Um no no heat um no states broke their all time temperature record. Um, Washington may have tied the record. Um Oregon didn't beat the record, didn't reach the record which was set twice in eighteen ninety eight of one hundred nineteen degrees. Um there was you know some this one location in British Columbia, Lenton, where they they did reach a very high temperature, I think of 121 degrees or something like that. It was caused by downslope winds. You get very high, rapid downslope winds, and the air heated up, and they got extremely hot temperature there. Um, a couple of events to that, an actually much worse one, occurred in 1859. On June 17, 1859, they had very strong downslope winds in Santa Barbara, California, and got up to 133 degrees Fahrenheit, which probably broke their old record by 20 or more degrees. Um, so th- these things happen. It's just localized events having to do with air compressing as they go down slope. But if you look at the United States as a whole, um, last year's records, the number of records set in the United States, was less than one-fifth of what was set in 1936. Um, So it was a very localized event. The conditions that it was caused by had nothing to do with climate change or global warming. It was just sort of a freak weather event, which happens sometimes. And they've exaggerated. They've taken all kinds of ridiculous statistics, manipulated them, contorted them, cherry-picked them, to come up with this claim that it was the worst heat wave on record. And not by any stretch of the imagination was that anywhere near true.
2: All right. We'll uh, take a quick time out, Tony. When we come back, we'll uh, continue. I don't we won't get to all 10 of the top 10 global weather climate change events of 2021, but we'll get to as many as we can. Tony Heller, the founder of Real Climate Science, stays with us as we push back against the cult of climate change. Back with more in a minute. Don't go away.
3: Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk Saga 960 AM.
2: Tony heller stays with us the founder of realclimatescience.com look for his videos on youtube NewTube, rumble we'll tell you else uh, where else you can find them in a moment we're counting down the top 10 global weather and climate change events of 2021 according to the yale climate connection uh hurricane ida uh, the fifth costliest weather disaster in world history 65 billion dollars now that might be true uh, it may have cost sixty five billion dollars. It may be the fifth costliest weather disaster. But what does that have to do with climate change or or, uh, you know, global warming? Just putting a price tag on the damage. Tony, what, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.
8: Hello. Before the days, before the times of air conditioning, very few people lived along the Gulf Coast um because it was the weather was is not really tolerable for most people, the heat and humidity. So you know, a hundred years ago not very many people lived there and the people who lived there were mostly poor. And there were there were terrible hurricanes. Miami was destroyed by a hurricane in nineteen twenty six. You know, there there were terrible hurricanes which occurred um The city of uh, Indianola, Texas, was wiped out by a hurricane in um, 1886. So these kinds of disasters would have been incredibly expensive now. um, But back then, there were far fewer people. Um, The cost of living was much lower. People didn't know very much. So the amount of property at risk now is thousands of times higher um, in these areas along the Gulf Coast than it was you know, hundred years ago. So of course, when they when we get you know bad weather like a hurricane, it causes a huge amount of dollar loss because the amount of property at risk is vastly higher than it used to be. But that's not a reasonable measure of of destruction. That's just a measure of the fact that we've been very successful at building cities in places where which aren't naturally habitable by human beings because they're too hot and humid. So it's it's a measure of our success. It doesn't have anything to do with the climate becoming more extreme. It's just more people live there. They own more stuff. Uh, The
2: the climate change alarmists would have us believe that uh, powerful storms like Ida, powerful hurricanes coming ashore, uh, it's happening more often. Is that true or not?
8: No. Um, In fact, uh, I was just looking at the 1995 IPCC report. They showed how um, during the second half of the 20th century there there was a sharp decline in maximum hurricane wind speeds. So quite the opposite is true. We're not we're not seeing more damaging hurricanes than we used to. It's just there's more property at risk. Like I said, the worst the worst period for Atlantic hurricanes was around the time of the U.S. Revolutionary War during the 1770s and 1780s, including the deadliest Atlantic hurricane, which occurred in 1780, killed 24,000 people in the Caribbean, and it had winds over 200 miles per hour, stripped all the barks off the trees. The British reported that it picked their heavy cannons up hundreds of feet up into the air, um, and, and there was a series of really bad hurricanes around that time. So, no, there's no indication that hurricanes are getting more extreme or more common. In fact, the general trend has been the opposite direction. Um, and in, in 2016, the Washington Post ran an article saying that the United States was in an unprecedented hurricane drought. Never had it been so long since the United States had been hit by Small or a large hurricanes, and they were terrified by that. So we, we went through about ten years with no major hurricanes hitting the United States, and then we get a few. And now they say it's unprecedented. It's global warming, and it, it, all, it, all it is is propaganda. Um, they, they've been, and they've got this great thing, billion-dollar disasters, which is not a measure of climate. It's a measure of inflation and population growth.
2: Uh, number three on the Yale Climate Connections list of uh, top global global warming and climate change uh, events is the European summer floods. The cost list, weather disaster in European history coming in at 43 billion dollars. They're saying it's Europe's deadliest flood since 1985 struck Western Germany and Eastern Belgium uh, July 12th and the 18th. So, first of all, how does this flood rank in terms of uh, deadly, not deadliest, but the, I don't know how you measure floods other than, you know, by the cost of lives. But one of the worst floods ever, can we say? No,
8: not even close. Uh, Europe has had terrible floods, which killed tens or hundreds of thousands of people um, in the 16th century, the 15th century. Uh, There's there were some very very famous floods. In 1953, there was a um, February of 1953, there was a massive storm surge, which killed thousands and thousands of people along the North Sea and Holland and Britain um, and Belgium. That was was the costliest, what you know, the worst weather disaster in, in Britain's history. And and you can if you go through if you just do a Google search for worst floods in Europe's history you'll see a whole list of them. Now this was once again this was just a case of they had some flooding. There's a lot of property at risk, so it produced a large dollar value of damage and, and. People died, like they always do. But if you can go places in Germany where they've marked on the buildings the levels of floods, and you know, going back in in history, and this one is wasn't anywhere close to ones they've had in the past. They've had much larger floods in the past.
2: All right. Uh, number four on their list is flooding, flooding in China, the third costliest weather disaster in Asian history at 30 billion. Now, I know you and I have talked before about flooding, I think, in China in the 1920s. It was the worst flood perhaps ever. Uh, so how does this one compare the one that happened in 2021 in <laughs> July?
8: Yeah, the, the five deadliest floods in world history all occurred in China, and most of them occurred during the 1930s. And the deadliest one occurring in 1931 killed uh, the flood itself, killed per- about 4 million people, and then it made tens of millions of people homeless. 50,000 square miles of China was underwater. Um, tens of millions of people were starving as a result. That that was the greatest natural catastrophe in you know world history, and 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 that wasn't the only one. They had a series of floods during the 1930s where hundreds of thousands or millions of people died in China. So no, the floods this year weren't even close to the historic records of flooding in China.
2: I think we have time for one more. Number five on the Yale Climate Change Connections list of the top uh, global weather events of twenty twenty one, which they attribute to climate change. And that is the February cold wave in uh, the central US. They're saying it's the second costliest winter weather disaster in world history. It brought heavy snow, freezing rain, severe cold to Texas. We remember the freezing or the frozen wind turbines. Uh, Texas surrounding states, February 12th to the 20th, killing 246 people, causing twenty three billion dollars in damage.
8: Yeah, and the reason that people died was because Texas made the mistake of of relying on wind power and not maintaining their fossil fuel supply adequately. Um, So what happened was when the wind turbines froze up and some of their natural gas pipelines froze up, people couldn't stay warm and, and they died as a result. Texas had similar cold snaps, like in 1989, but at that time they were had made sure they'd taken care of their fossil fuel infrastructure, so very few people died in that event. But this was this was largely a cause of of bad governance. Uh, The the Texas government fell for this idea of running everything off of wind, and when that and they didn't maintain their um, natural gas supplies properly. They didn't maintain their grid properly. So then, when they got hit by this extremely cold weather, they weren't prepared for it. And the state was shut. And a lot of the state didn't have electricity for days. People couldn't keep warm. A lot of housing had been built just using um, electrical heating and no natural gas. So when the power went out, people were freezing. And kids went out and played in the snow. They got cold, came back in the house, and they couldn't warm up again, and, and they died. So this, this was a, a, a catastrophe of government, not a catastrophe of weather.
2: Uh, I, I, if you haven't seen this story, Tony, I'm going to send it to you. Uh, the Mighty Aphrodite, my lovely bride, just sent it to me. And the headline is, it's from iowaclimate.org. Billions of wind turbine blades built with balsa wood stripped from Amazon's forests. So green groups are starting to rumble the fact that wind power ain't so green. Uh, I'll send that story to you. Maybe uh, it'll end up at uh, real science, uh, realclimatescience.com. Tony Heller, the founder of realclimatescience.com, look for his videos, uh, YouTube, Rumble, where else, Tony?
8: Um, I've got them on Gab, Video, Odyssey, um, Bitchute, um maybe a couple others. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to get away from YouTube as much as possible because they're making free speech impossible there. So they're they're pushing people over to other platforms. All right. Um, but so- if, if you look on if, if you look on some of my YouTube videos, which I which I've marked as censorship version, I'll have, have a list of all my
2: other platforms. Fantastic. All right. RealClimatescience.com. Check it out. Tony, we'll talk again next week.
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire, unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that overpolicing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.
2: Yeah, I look
8: forward to it, Richard.
2: All right, hour two awaits. We'll talk about um, who is Ray Epps. And what was his involvement in the Jan 6th so-called insurrection last year in Washington? Why is he being protected by the FBI? U.S. Attorney John O'Connor will be here with that story. We'll talk about the B.C. family being evicted from Ronald McDonald House due to their vaccine status. And Dr. Peter McCullough will be here about the European Union regulators warning that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect your immune response. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show right after these. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management.
3: The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
2: All right, welcome to hour two. Board-certified cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough returns to the program. He's been a frequent guest and a good friend of the program. You may have. Uh, Seen him recently on Joe Rogan's podcast. And uh, Dr. McCullough will be here to talk about uh, European Union regulators that are warning that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune response of people that take the boosters and uh, may not be feasible. Uh, this is being reported in Bloomberg and uh, it should be widely reported, but likely will not be reported up here in Kanakistan. And uh, then we'll uh, we'll speak with A um, reporter with True North, Harley Sims, about this. uh, This is a terrible story. Very sad. A B.C. family being evicted from Ronald McDonald House due to their vaccine status. It's just it's just evil. I I can't I can't varnish it. I can't uh, sidestep it. It's just pure evil. What Ronald McDonald House is doing. A four year old leukemia patient and his family kicked out of the Ronald McDonald house because of their vaccine status. All right. Who is Ray Epps? He was seen on the Capitol, uh, uh, in and around the Capitol building on January 5th of 2021, telling people that it were assembled there tomorrow. We have to, we have to take this hill. We have to break into the Capitol building. We're going in, we're going in. And many, uh, Shouted at him, he's a Fed, he's a Fed. The next day, January 6th, he's seen whispering into the ear of uh, several people. And then they immediately begin tearing down the security fences. He was egging them on. And it's um, it's been long suspected that he was with the FBI. They were inciting the people that broke into the Capitol building. And of course, the Capitol police basically stood down, invited many of uh, those people inside. Yes, there were some thugs who did stupid things. There were some violent people. Absolutely. Uh, I want to play this clip. Uh, This is uh, Senator Ted Cruz asking um, someone with the FBI about their involvement in the January 6th so-called insurrection. Jacob, if you could, please.
0: How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that. I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, did any FBI agents any FBI or agents confidential or informants, informants actively, actively participate in the events of January 6th? January 6th. Yes, or no? yes. yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? Six. I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Six. Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? Epps. I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot of, well, people, who a lot of people who are understandably very, concerned about, very Mr. concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, Tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Yes, sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day. The next day. On January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir. Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that.
2: There you go. Isn't the usual response I can either confirm or deny? I mean, that should be an easy one to deny. Uh, John O'Connor, a U.S. attorney, is a host of the Mysteries of Watergate podcast, and he's the author of Postgate, how the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat, covered up Watergate and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. John, welcome back to the program. How are you?
7: Uh, Good to be with you, Richard.
2: So Ray Epps, is he FBI or not? What do you think?
7: Well, I think he's either FBI or a confidential informant. Um, And nobody's going to tell you that under the uh, cloak of national security and also this uh, whole idea of um, confidentially uh, infiltrating groups that they're looking at. Uh, They've treated this whole thing as if it were a national security question. Uh, You know, whereas, of course, nothing that happened in the 85 other riots that summer were considered national security, even though our cities were burning. This is considered national security because, OK, you have the Capitol building. But that's what they're doing. And this really harks back, if you recall, Richard, and you may not, you're a young man relative to me. But back during Watergate, uh, a parallel Item to Watergate happened when someone, uh, the Berrigan brothers, the radical priest, found evidence of what they called the COINTEL probe uh, of the FBI, uh, in which all the liberals in the country and most conservatives got very upset about because it looked like the FBI was putting in agents provocateur into groups. Now, in some cases, They weren't FBI agents. They were confidential informants. So you get a confidential informant. Then the question is, what are the obligations of the FBI if the confidential informant is urging everybody to commit crimes? There's something wrong with that, Uh, because now the government is out there actually by normal standards of criminal culpability. The government is committing crimes. If anyone in the position in the shoes of the government doing that is committing a crime. And I'm not so sure that the Capitol Hill people allowed the FBI to destroy uh, any of their property. So it is a crime. Um, So it's one thing for the FBI to destroy its own property. Fine. But it it isn't. So that's one thing. Uh, The other thing is, is that it could well be. And I have connections with this. I know some of the uh, Mark Feltz friends who were undercover agents who infiltrated. Mark Felt was deep
2: throat. Mark Felt was your client. He was deep throat uh, for those of you who've seen all the president's men, right?
7: Yeah, that's right. And Mark Felt was at the top of the FBI and he actually met with undercover uh, agents who had infiltrated first the mafia and then other, I think it might've been, I'm just trying to think of it's the Weather Underground or who who else he he infiltrated. He infiltrated a terrorist organization. But- these people are kept under wraps. Nobody affirms their existence. And it's really very troubling. So you have this issue. And I think the next question is that no one would answer was not only Ray Epps. It's, if there's one Ray Epps, there's 20 or 50 or 100 of them. How many of them were there that day? We do not know and we may never know. And I think the only way, hopefully you have a good judge who will who will force the FBI and the government to identify any either confidential informant or undercover agent. And then if the FBI refuses, fine, they can do that. But then the cases have to be dismissed. That's the only way to do it.
2: Right. I mean, we have people still languishing in prison basically because they waltzed into the Capitol building, in some cases invited. We had Capitol Police holding the door open. They waltzed in. They took some selfies. Yes, I suppose you could argue they were trespassing. They're still in jail. Here we have Ray Epps, who I believe is on video, seen it's pretty clear he's inciting people. Uh, I mean, when was the last time the FBI didn't get a conviction for somebody like that? I mean, when we have, as I say, people posing for selfies still in prison, it just it smells to high heaven. What did you think of the way that this FBI person? I'm not sure what, what her name was uh, that was being questioned by Ted Cruz answered those questions I can't. I don't know. I don't. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. Shouldn't it be very easy to to uh, to say, no, we categorically deny that there were FBI agents inciting
7: rioters? Well, yes. And the CIA and the FBI have from time to time done that. They have denied things when they were deniable, Um But then I think there's a response they call the Glomar response that has to do with the CIA's uh, attempts to pick up the Glomar Explorer of Russia in which you say I can either confirm or deny. Uh, It sounds like that's what they're doing here, which is tantamount actually to an admission when you say I can't affirm or deny. Why can't you deny? It's very easy. If it's Ray Epps, if somebody said, is John O'Connor your agent or is defendant Joe Smith an agent? The FBI can say we deny it. We deny it. That's not true. They can deny it, but they're not. So in, in it, the way I view it in spook language, I think they're tantamount to admitting that Ray Epps and others were there that day. Now, And not, let me- just, to, and not just to gather intel uh, to incite.
2: Right. So that they that, so that the Dems could weaponize this event, turn it into another Pearl Harbor, according to Kamala Harris, uh, and use that against the Republicans.
7: Well, that may be the case. Remember, the FBI is controlled, um, you know, by people who aren't necessarily all in line with Donald Trump. I mean, Christopher Wray has not exactly been Donald Trump's best friend since he took over. He's supposed to be a straight guy. But who knows if he's still carrying the banner for Comey and Company? Well, that's not good either. And, And he slow walked an awful lot of stuff that he didn't need to slow walk in other matters. So I'm not really thinking that I can trust him. But <clears throat> to be fair to him, these confidential matters are usually handled at a level below him. And the the deputies have their own function there and they can do what they want. And 90 percent of them are uh, Democrats anyway. So uh, it looks bad. The other thing that looks bad, of course, is the tremendous lack of security. The Senate's 97 page report is A great example of bipartisan truth-telling, and you read that report from Amy Klobuchar and Rob Portman who wrote it, it is a very good report, and it is stomach-turning as to the lack of security, even though it was known for weeks and certainly days beforehand that what was going to happen. Not right. And fit. the Capitol, the Capitol Police
2: answer to the speaker, Nancy Pelosi. That was her job. Why isn't she being interrogated? John, we uh, we got to run. Um, look forward to having you on again very quickly. How do we uh, listen to The Washington Post or sorry, The Mysteries of Watergate podcast?
7: Well, any podcast, uh, you know, uh, outlet will cover the mysteries of Watergate. It is great because what I do is I tell what really happened in Watergate and also what was not reported to the public. And that's one of the problems. As you know, Richard, you and I've talked about it. We have that problem today. We're getting lied to. All right. And the website PostGateBook.com,
2: PostGateBook.com. John, always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
7: Richard, good seeing
2: you. You too. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about the BC family being evicted from Ronald McDonald House due to their vaccine status, including a four year old leukemia patient. Absolutely disgraceful. Stay with us.
3: Welcome back to the Richard Serrett show on News Talk Saga 960
2: AM. This is absolutely heart wrenching. This young family from Kelowna, B.C. Being told uh, to get out of Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver. Where their four year old uh, son. uh, Is uh, fighting leukemia. And all this because the family uh, have not taken the the COVID vaccine. Harley Sims is with True North, and uh, he joins us now. Harley, welcome. How are you? Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me on to talk about this. Tell us. Tell us about the Ferguson family.
10: Uh well, yesterday evening um, I was. Uh, I just finished up writing an article about uh Quebec making vaccination mandatory under threat of financial penalties um and uh it it's like drinking from a fire hose trying to write stories on civil liberties these days so you you get you know you get pretty burnt out and this story kind of came came across Twitter um and it was uh a video posted by a father uh, Austin Ferguson young man, uh, just got his electrician's ticket in Christmas. He'd been electrician school when his son was diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, and, uh, they'd been staying at Ronald McDonald house, uh, in Vancouver while his son, uh, got treatment for cancer at, uh, BC children's hospital. And his wife had quit her job so they could move there from Kelowna. He was trying to finish his schooling. Uh, he'd gotten his life together recently five years ago, uh, They have another two-year-old son, Lewis, and uh, they received on Monday a notice of the new policy from Ronald McDonald House telling them that everyone five and up, that's not just adults or kids 12, five and up, as of January 17th, would have to show proof of uh, full vaccination, two shots, in order to stay at Ronald McDonald House charities, uh, stay at the, the apartment's. Uh, uh there was a, a so-called grace period provided for uh families who were already there giving them till the 31st to get one shot uh he uh, uh Austin or Mr. Ferguson posted a video of him confronting staff asking to speak to a manager and asking him why this was the case uh telling them that both people with vac- the vaccinations and without them can, can carry COVID. Uh, he said it didn't make any sense. He said they would be throwing people out in the snow, uh, not just not just him. I mean, his son is four. Jack is four, and so he wouldn't yet have qualified, you know, you know for these these shots. But there are plenty of kids there um, who are five and up. We've we've learned of another family from Kelowna, the Blakely family, who have a five-year-old child with leukemia. Uh, both those parents are vaccinated. Um, and, uh, basically couldn't get any answers. That was the case. Uh, we, uh, I, I, I had to reach out to him. Um, uh, it's just, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking because, um, most of the people that are caught in these situations now, they still trust the systems that are, you know, that, that tell them this is wrong. They they, st- they they say how can you do this in Canada? This isn't right in Canada. We don't exclude people. Look at the national anthem. Um, uh, this isn't right. This is wrong. And it's it's it, it, it's disbelief. Um, but one thing that that uh, Mr. Ferguson told me was just could not let this go. He 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 sat up all night thinking about it, and uh, he made the video to get the word out, hoping that you know. At best, people would send his family prayers, and if somebody out there might know of a place, they could stay until June when they're hoping his son's cancer treatments were finished to let them know. And uh, I wrote the story posted it last night. Um, it's taken off. It's been picked up internationally. Uh, uh, Crowder has picked it up. Uh, Joe Prasoviec has picked it up. Um, so hopefully coming out of this, the family have a whole lot more than you know a place to stay.
2: And, uh, you know, we can shed some light on this. I mean, how many times this year or last year has Canada become, um, you know, headline news because of shameful, uh, immoral uh, behavior, not only from our prime minister, but various institutions. And here we go again. Um, Harley, stay with us. We'll we'll take a quick time out. I want to come back and and ask you a few more things about uh, the Ferguson family their four-year-old son fighting leukemia. They're staying at Ronald McDonald House in uh, British Columbia. And because of their official policy, they're just following orders. They are evicting the family while their son is battling leukemia. Imagine. That's that's a personification of evil as far as I'm concerned. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. Don't go away.
3: The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga,
2: 960 AM. I can't imagine what it must be like for the Ferguson family. Here they are trying desperately to to save their son, their four-year-old son, who is battling leukemia. And then on top of that, unimaginable stress and anxiety, they are now being told, to get out of Ronald McDonald House unless they take their uh, their COVID vaccines. Harley, this is uh, Harley Sims from True North is with us. This truly isn't about the science, because if if it was about the science, they would they would kick them out immediately because, uh, you know, they're waiting until Jan 31st and then they can have their first shot. We already know the the CEO of Pfizer has just admitted that the first two shots are worthless. So then, they would have to wait until they get their second shot and their third shot. Uh, if they were a threat somehow because they're unvaccinated, uh, I mean that just makes no sense.
10: I, to be honest, I, I've kind of stopped looking at it through the scientific lens now, um, as I'm sure a lot of people have. It's it's more about psychology now. It's more about what people are even doing, what society is doing, um, and. You know, I'll be honest, Richard. Like I, I was a peace officer out here before I joined True North, and I have a bit of an idea of what the ugly side of humanity looks like. And and what's happening right now is ugly. I mean, I I don't think the people who know, the people who are, you know, making this about vaccinated, non-vaccinated, us versus them, you know, those people, I think they've gotten so used to their pampered lives or lives full of rights and privileges and, you know, protection from violence that they don't really know what they're feeding.
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? is running out this message is paid for by lines for fair and equitable policy
10: they don't really know how ugly this is going to get this can get and it's heartbreaking to watch the video to speak to mr ferguson again because he sees it he's not politically naive i mean he 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 has his positions he has his beliefs and he sees it too and he knows the data he knows the statistics and you're exactly right If, if this were about about um you know, uh, someone you know carrying around a deadly disease, uh, they'd kick them out right away. They'd be, it'd be done. But you know, we're into we're two years into this, or over two years into this, and uh, they've been there since October. Their son's cancer treatment is supposed to go on until at least June. And the same thing with the other family, learned of the Blakely family. They, you know, they've they've been there a while, and now all of a sudden to bring this in, uh, you know, I, I, I had a, I had, I had two cousins who had cancer when I was a kid. One of them stayed at Ronald McDonald House in Vancouver, and. I have great respect for the organization and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt over this. Um, but you know, um, I, 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 we have yet to hear from them. You know, we, we just, we want to know what's going on. There, there's gotta be a way we can, we can deal with this and, and you know, treat everybody like a human being and not constantly be shouting at each other and segregating and making things so ugly. We can at least be able to come together over sick and dying children as
2: the father himself said, just when you think we, we hit bottom With regards to this reaction to COVID, oh, they couldn't possibly go any lower. And, you know, we Quebec trying to levy this uh, this tax against the unvaccinated, that's pretty horrible. And denying people the right, making the unvaccinated literally prisoners in their own country. Well, that's absolutely horrible. But this, I mean, this takes it to a whole new subterranean level. Uh, when we're talking about kicking four-year-old leukemia patients out on the street because their parents won't take the vaccination. Uh, is this finally, Harley, do you think the uh, the turning point when collectively as a society, vaccinated and unvaccinated alike, we say enough? I, I keep
10: waiting for that moment, um, but I, I, I keep getting surprised to the point that I'm not really getting surprised anymore Um People, normal people, need to stop going along with this. They need to 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 use their own minds, and they need to to say enough. We have to we we have to stop doing this stuff. We have to stop treating people like this. We have to stop. We have to to get rid of this reverse onus of people having to declare their medical status openly. Especially with all the data that's coming out. I mean, Ontario has just started to report its hospitalizations where they're actually telling the difference from people who checked in with COVID, from people who tested positive for COVID incidentally, like, you know, you come in for a broken leg, you get a test. Oh, right. by the way,
2: you have COVID. Yeah. No that's kidding. Like we've known care. this for, we've known this for two years. They're a little late to the dance, but better late than never, I suppose.
10: Yeah. Yeah. And here in in BC, um, uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry just admitted that they don't, they don't keep track of who's who. I mean, that's the first step into keeping track, but then again i mean we're still there i mean we're still trying to to get a get an honest picture of what's going on and two years in um you know schools are still locking down we're still locking down gyms but you know keeping people from getting healthy it it's not making any sense anymore this 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 thing has taken on a mind of its own bureaucrats and institutions have been mobilized um it stops when we stop it and i think just just people like the fergusons who spoke up this isn't about This isn't about their own egos. This is about them speaking up, which people in their situation have to do. Um, You know, we in the media can shed some light on it and we can we can get the message out. We can also remind everybody that feels there's something going on that's wrong, that they're not alone and we can create critical mass
2: and we can turn this thing around. Uh, As you say, this has gone international now. Uh, Canada, Canada, again, the international pariah and now Ronald McDonald House, shameful, shameful. Uh, what about the for the Ferguson family? Is there a, a GoFundMe campaign? How can people help them?
10: There, there uh, was a GoFundMe launched um, in October by a family friend when uh, four-year-old Jack was first diagnosed with leukemia. Um, uh, when when I learned of it, it was at four thousand dollars, which was a thousand dollars under its target, and that's you know uh, four or five months later. It has since uh last I checked was around eighty thousand dollars because of all the attention it's gotten uh, across you know south of the border. Um if uh listeners want to help them out, uh they can visit True North. Um the story's right there. Uh, the GoFundMe campaign is is listed. Um uh but again, this this story's still picking up. Um I spoke with Joe Warmington at the Sun, he's really interested in telling their story. And again, um this isn't just about the Fergusons as uh Mr. Ferguson told me this is about every family in a situation like this. They should be free, uh, free if I can use the word, to to focus on their child's healing and treatments, and they shouldn't have this crap thrown at them. We have to do everything we can to help them. So anybody want to check out, check out True North, check the story. It's got all the details there, and uh, they can help the family in uh, whatever way they can.
2: And uh, the website, tnc.news. Go to tnc.news. That's True North. Harley, great work. Thank you for this.
10: Hey yeah, Richard, thanks a lot.
2: Wow. I, you can hear the resignation in Harley's voice, and I, and I share that. It's how low can we go? Well, it's early. It's only 530, folks. You know what? The prime minister, this is on him. He's emboldening places like Ronald McDonald House with his divisive, toxic, corrosive language, dehumanizing the unvaccinated. This is the result, Crime Minister. This is on you. All right, European Union regulators are warning that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune response and may not be feasible. Dr. Peter McCullough joins us next. Stay with us.
3: Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 a.m.
2: So this is Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg reporting this. European Union regulators warned that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune response and may not be feasible. So this idea of repeat booster doses every 4 months, now the head of Moderna has just announced, yes, you're going to need an, you're going to need another booster, a fourth Moderna shot come the fall and the EU regulators saying that could eventually weaken the immune response. It's just going to tire people out. It's going to wear out your immune response. And again, this is according to the European medicines agency. So instead countries should have more time between booster programs, tie them to the onset of the cold season, depending on which hemisphere you're living in. In other words, follow the blueprint that was set out by the influenza vaccination. That's what the European Medicines Agency is recommending. The advice comes as some countries consider the possibility of offering people second booster shots. So a second shot, that would be four jabs in in total. In a bid to provide further protection against surging Omicron infections. So after four, what's to stop them? Five and six? Seven, eight? Earlier this month, Israel became the first nation to start administering a second booster. That's a fourth shot to those over 60. The UK has said that boosters are providing good levels of protection. There is no need for a second booster shot at the moment, but they'll review the data as it evolves. I guess if the Pfizer CEO decides he needs a new yacht, Then we'll get the fourth booster shot. Boosters can be done once or maybe twice, but it's not something that we can think that we can think should be repeated constantly, says Marco Cavallari, the EMA head of biological health threats and vaccine strategy. He said this uh, yesterday during a press briefing. Quote, we need to think about how we can transition from the current pandemic setting to a more endemic setting. No, shite, Sherlock. I can say that. I I put an E on the end. Don't worry, Jacob. The EU regulator also said at the briefing that oral and intravenous antivirals, such as Paxlovid and Remdesivir, maintain their efficacy against Omicron. The agency said that April is the soonest it could approve a new vaccine, uh, targeting a specific variant. All right. Do we have uh, we do. We have our uh, good friend, board certified cardiologist, Dr. Peter McCullough uh, to comment on this. Dr. McCullough, how are you? Good. Thank you. So uh, this, again, being reported in Bloomberg, E-regulators warning frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune response. Uh, Not that you're someone who, you know, seeks vindication. You're not one of these. I told you so people. But you have been talking about this for probably what?
9: Over a year. That's true. There's uh, several preclinical papers showing the immune system is impacted now by the repeated deposition of spike protein in the body. The body's uh, particular immune cells, monocytes, for instance, carry the S1 segment now for about 15 months after it's trying to clear the spike protein out of the body. You can imagine with repeated injections how the immune system becomes burdened. So I know you're not a fan of the of the vaccine to begin with, but the uh, the EU
2: regulators are suggesting that we 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 follow the blueprint that was laid out with the influenza uh, vaccine. And in other words, depending on what hemisphere you're living in, when cold and flu season arrives, you take the one shot then every year, once a year, like the
9: flu shot. Does that make any sense? Well, you know, the virus is not behaving like flu, though. Flu has antigenic drift. The virus here is mutating wildly, uh, is able to mutate and render the vaccines useless. So Omicron, for instance, two papers, one by Hansen from Denmark and the other one from the UK uh, health security report show that the vaccines are completely useless against Omicron. So, you know, I don't think it behaves like influenza. It's not a slow antigenic drift. It seems to be uh, really wildly unpredictable. All right, uh, Dr. McCullough, if you could stay with us. We'll uh, pick this up on the other side. We'll take a quick
2: timeout. Dr. Peter McCullough, board certified cardiologist, stays with us. Back with more of The Richard Serrett Show in three minutes. Don't go away.
3: Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM.
2: Board certified cardiologist, Dr. Peter McCullough stays with us. Um, I wanted to ask you about Omicron. Is is this COVID's last gasp? Isn't this the way that that. uh, pandemics often end with a with a whimper?
9: No, we simply don't know. Um, I'm tending to doubt that this is going to be the end. Uh, The factor that really uh, put a different calculus in the pandemic has been mass vaccination. We don't have a natural history experiment where we try to vaccinate the entire world and then have it backfire with these wild resistant mutations like Delta and like Omicron with Delta. We have data from Young Zhu and colleagues published in JAMA showing Delta, it turns out we only had 20 percent vaccine efficacy against Delta. Now with Omicron, we have zero efficacy. The vaccines are forcing the virus to basically uh, arrive at and evolve into hyperdominant mutants that are very different from one another. So we can't possibly tell now because of mass vaccination. What is
2: the... um, the problem with vaccinating during a pandemic rather than as we do with flu, sort of an anticipation of influenza coming ashore.
9: You see, that's important concept, because if we vaccinate when there's a highly prevalent virus around, we give the virus plenty of time through uh, evolutionary changes to respond and become resistant to the vaccine. So it's always been said, don't vaccinate broadly into a pandemic. If we're going to use a vaccine at all, it should have been just for nursing home patients and nursing home workers. So the the narrative is is rapidly changing. Uh, We have the governor of New
2: York. Now we have the health minister here in Ontario, out in Alberta, finally admitting two years late, but something we all knew those paying attention that nearly half of COVID hospitalizations are incidental. We have the CDC head, Rochelle Walensky, admitting on a Sunday chat show uh, that 75% of COVID deaths are people with four serious comorbidities. In other words, 75% died with COVID, not from COVID. This mirrors information that came out almost two years ago from Italy's version of the CDC. They were saying the same thing, although I believe they were saying up to 90% of their patients, they have a very elderly population. Uh, died with COVID, not from COVID. What do you what do you think is behind this this change? It almost seems like officialdom is running for cover or trying to get out ahead of the uh, the release of the uh, the Pfizer data that is now being expedited to eight months instead of 75 years.
9: Everything in a pandemic reporting has been to, made to uh, basically make the pandemic look worse Than it really is all this unnecessary testing of people who don't have respiratory symptoms is uh, really fraudulently raising the hospitalization count. And because the unvaccinated are differentially tested to a greater extent than vaccinated, we can't trust any of the hospitalization data. I think any claims that the vaccines reduce hospitalization can't be trusted.
2: But but do you do you think there is any any connection between the the federal uh, judge in Texas last Thursday who ordered Pfizer to release their data instead of giving them 75 years? He's now giving them eight months. Do you think that we have uh, politicians, uh, bureaucrats trying to get out ahead of that, uh, the release of that data so that they can they can falsely claim that they were on the right side of history?
9: No, I don't. I mean, that I'm leading that review committee, by the way, that lead attorney, Aaron Siri, I'm leading the public health review committee. I mean, our charge is going to figure out why people are dying after the vaccine. Uh, They're dying of blood clots. We need to review the individual vignettes. What did Pfizer know? Even the documents that are leaked out of Pfizer, Pfizer knew about thousands of deaths early on.
2: All right. Uh, I want to ask you, you were recently on Joe Rogan. That's a mighty big megaphone. Um, How has that helped You getting the message out. Are you seeing results from going on? I mean, 11 million views. I mean, he is now he Joe Rogan is mainstream media. He's destroyed the uh, the model for CNN. He he even blows Fox News out of the water.
9: That's true. Joe Rogan has a tremendous uh, uh, viewership. That interview, I I guess, Ultimately, rose close to fifty million views uh, and beat everything that Joe had ever done, including Elon Musk and Alex Jones. and And Joe followed up with uh, Robert Malone after me, so he had a, a clinical doctor, which is which is myself, and and someone who's seen patients and everything I'm experiencing and publishing on. And then he had a preclinical scientist, Doctor Malone, who is an expert in the lipid nanoparticle development and vaccine development. And so he really the two complemented each other and supported each other. And Joe's eyes were open. It looks like there was clear suppression of early treatment in order to railroad the vaccine on the population. That's a pretty powerful ally to have in our corner. Uh, Do you think we are, in
2: fact, turning the corner? Are we winning, uh, I guess, the war of the narratives?
9: We'll see if the vaccine mandates will be dropped. Luc Montier had an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal in the last few days. He's former Nobel Prize winner saying, listen, just drop the uh, mandates. Uh, The the virus has mutated sufficiently. The vaccines don't cover it anyway. Mandates uh, are obsolete because the the, the, uh, vaccines are obsolete. Uh, Give us the um, I know you posted this
2: uh, on the website. Give us the protocol for dealing with Omicron.
9: The protocol uh, will be the McCullough protocol that's available at Association of American Physicians and Surgeons and Truth the Health Foundation, but largely m- minus any prescription drugs. We can do it uh, with over-the-counter medications uh, very simply. Also, go to America Loud, America Loud Talk Radio, the McCullough Report. Uh, this last week, I did a summary of the six things that Canadians need uh, to have in their home toolkit to manage uh, Omicron. Uh, can you just maybe uh, run down that list quickly for us, Doctor McCullough? Real quickly, everyone should have povidone iodine or hydrogen peroxide dilute washes for the nose and the mouth. Uh, that's item number one. Item number two is zinc. Item number three is vitamin D. Number four is vitamin C. Number five is quercetin. Number six is pepsid or famotidine, which impairs uh, viral replication. Those six, six, six things, I'm managing dozens and dozens of Omicron cases. We're getting them through fine. No risk of hospitalization or death. Dr. McCullough, thank
2: you so much for uh, all your work, and I appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you. Dr. Peter McCullough, board-certified cardiologist. Yeah, Check out that appearance on Joe Rogan. Up to 50 million views. Biggest response, biggest viewership he's ever had, beating Elon Musk. All right. um, Do we have time for this? Can we play the – I want to play that uh, clip of – the Pfizer CEO again in a rare candid moment talking about the limited
4: protection afforded by the two doses. Do you have that ready, Jacob? Can we hear that please? Uh, and we know that um, the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection. If any, the three doses with a booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, uh, in, in, against deaths, I think very good. Um, and uh, Less protection against the infection. Now, we are working on a, on a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1, let me put it that way, that uh, will cover Omicron as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to, to have the final results. The vaccine will be ready in March.
2: Oh, we'll line up for that one. Right. Because you got it right the first three times, right? The first, to- the first two... No efficacy. You just admitted that. The third dose, okay, reasonable protection. But we know now that's waning. Moderna is calling for a fourth. But you'll get it right on the next one. Good Lord. Again, Bloomberg. Reporting that European Union regulators warning that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune response and may not be response uh, may not be feasible. Repeat booster doses every four months could eventually weaken the immune response and tire tire out your immune system. Again, Dr. McCullough has been on this program talking about this. For nearly a year. I want to say better late than never, but in this case, I mean, lives are at stake. Lives are at stake. All right, I'm done. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Jacob, and Brandon. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. The Brian Crombie Hour is next. Be well, find joy, hold fast, be kind. But push back. I'll speak with you tomorrow at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken.
3: that's it that's all for more richard Serrett show podcasts blogs and other stuff go to saga 960am.ca stop talking past each other and start talking with each other we'll see you tomorrow afternoon at four on the richard Serrett show on news talk saga 960am